we need to ask ourselves, you know, not just what is it, but why do we want it? And to make sure that it's something that's actually aligned with our own true desires. You are listening to the Pretzel Podcast from Creative Mornings Munich. I am your host, Marco Lindgren. We at Creative Mornings Munich organize monthly breakfast talks covering inspiring topics in the creative community and life in general. This podcast brings creative inspiration and the stories of our speakers closer to you in your ears. Our guest today talked about the theme Insecure in the Creative Mornings Munich virtual session in June 2020. To see her talk, visit our show notes, thepretzelpodcast.com. She's a clarity coach who helps small business owners get clear on what they want and how to get there, personally and professionally. She has spent over 15 years in various sales roles and she also has had her own jewelry line. She's from Vancouver, but she also lived in Sydney, Australia. She thinks her ability to embrace change is one of the keys to create a life that is varied, colorful and purposeful. She is Kilty McGuire. I mean, insecure, um, to me, it really just means the state of the world, the way things are. Um, I think if any of us expect that we're not going to have uncertainty and insecurity in our lives, our businesses, globally speaking, that's a falsehood because it's just the very nature of our lives is that, you know, life as we know it is insecure. Uh, so it was a really an interesting topic to tackle for for our discussion last month. Um, you talked about uh, different levels of insecurity in your talk. Um, actually, you talked in a two different levels of levels. So let's tackle the first, the personal, situational and global insecurity. What did you mean by those? Yeah, well, um, you know, I think a lot of people, when they think about specifically the word insecure, we think often in terms of self-confidence, not feeling security in terms of who we are, what we have to offer the world. And when I first heard about the topic, that was sort of my initial interpretation was, okay, insecure, lacking in self-confidence. And so, you know, we can look at that on a personal level, not just in terms of confidence, but also just in terms of the uncertainties that we sometimes feel in a situation. We have anxieties, fears, and so forth. But then, of course, thinking about insecure, I also had to look at the world right now and everything that's going on. And I think that's really highlighted the fact that There's a lot of uncertainty and insecurity also on a global level, not just in like the personal situational, but, um, you know, worldwide or countrywide and so forth. So. And then you also, the other level of these levels was this kind of intellectual and uh, emotional level of in insecurity. Um, how would you explain that? Yeah, I mean, I think when we think about sort of intellectual insecurity, that can be, um, you know, manifested in this notion, you know, am I smart enough? Am I good enough? Um, you know, really, our thinking mind telling us stories about who we are, what we're capable of, what the future holds for us. And then the emotional piece is something that, um, you know, 
well, there, there's kind of two different ways we can look at this. I mean, the emotional piece is more of that internal feeling of, of vulnerability. But, um, you know, in terms of the talk, I think what I was referencing there, just now thinking it through a little bit more, I was saying myself personally, thinking about uncertainty and insecurity in the world, it's something that I had an intellectual knowing of. And, you know, I think most adults are going to say, yes, the world is insecure. Yes, life is short. Yes, life is fragile. But until I experienced close personal tragedy um, in the form of an accident that my father had, I didn't really like have that emotional sort of understanding of insecurity. It was it was just something that I thought about in my mind. It was a knowing intellectually, but it wasn't like a gut level emotional knowing. And so I think the two are very different things. And I think that's partly why this, you know, these last few months with coronavirus have been interesting for people because really looking at what's happening to me, it's really highlighted what has always been the case, which is that life is insecure. And yet I think people have felt that and experienced that really emotionally because it's been this, um, you know, vulnerability that they've seen and gone through firsthand. Uh, do you think that it's, uh, it's, it's some, some, some sort of, uh, more difficult to address that kind of a deep emotional level is, is is there other ways to handle it because I, i mean i recognize that very very well and we can talk a little bit more about it later yeah why but uh you know you certainly can with intellectual level of insecurity do something about it knowingly yeah. and and sort of conf- uh, convince yourself that, okay now i've done what i need to do but what, what do you think about this emotional level of insecurity uh, i mean it, it's tough it's um You know, when I, when my father, so my father became a quadriplegic in 2008, he broke his neck and lost all mobility in his, his arms and legs and was put on a ventilator to breathe. And watching his suffering, not just because he'd lost mobility, but there with that, there comes a lot of emotional fallout. You know, his whole life had changed so drastically. He was very sick for, you know, the remainder of his life. And I often would have people say to me, you know, I don't know how you and your family and your father are coping. How how are you getting through this? And the answer I always had was through, like, I mean, I don't think we have a choice. So in terms of how do we come to terms with that emotional sort of vulnerability or tenderness that we have, I think it is continuing to choose to act and to um, not ignore what's going on. You know, I think we need to address sort of those emotional undercurrents and process the things that are happening. And like right now, you know, there's a lot of discussion about the fact people are having a lot of anxiety in some cases or depression, or, you know, there's, obviously a rise in mental, mental illness and everything. Um, we need, we need to address those things. I'm not suggesting we sweep it under the rug, but at the same time, we need to continue taking those steps forward and, and make a choice to live our lives in spite of insecurity. You also, uh, introduced some four step program and sort of, uh, moving beyond in, in security, um, I think that uh, when I watched it, it, it addressed more on this intellectual level, but surely it can be also used uh, on, on the emotional level. Yeah. So um, can you open up a little bit more about your four steps? Yeah. First of the, uh, what do I have to gain? Yeah. So, I mean, my suggestion for people, first of all, I think we need to really recognize and think about what lies beyond that insecurity, because we can live our lives from a place of fear and we can, and, you know, some people do, they really choose to like not kind of go outside that comfort zone in life and just to, you know, get by if they will. But my argument is that in order for us to really explore our potential, in order for us to have, you know, fulfillment and growth and, you know, live life fully, we do need to move 
beyond or, or through insecurity. There's, there's no avoiding it. You can't just like say, okay, it's not going to happen. You've got to go through it or beyond it. So in terms of that first question, you can pose, what do I stand to gain? That's really rooted in you know, establishing this vision of what lies beyond the insecurity that you have. And the reason why is that, you know, I, I think it's our tendency often to look at all the things that can go wrong when we're feeling insecure, you know, whether it's like physical danger, whether it's, um, you know, like emotional fallout that might happen. It's that vulnerability of will I be successful? Um, you know, can I do this? Whatever, whatever it is we're talking about. But to ask ourselves, you know, what do I stand to gain by moving beyond this? It gives us sort of that North Star to be able to fixate on, to be able to say, Okay, that that is my vision there. And, you know, it doesn't make insecurity go away. But I think if we can keep our eye on the prize, so to speak, that helps us to move towards it. So that's that's sort of the first the first step. So it, it sort of gives you the motivation to take the journey, to take the first steps. And that's actually the second step is to take the first steps, right? Totally. Yeah, no, I, I it, it is, you know, it helps with that motivation. And it, it's that reminder to go back to because it's easy to question, like, why am I doing this? Why even bother trying to achieve a big goal or trying to do something, you know, a big change in my life? Um, if we can kind of keep that motivation in mind, it, it can it can certainly help. Um, yeah, so the, the next step is really like, get going. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, I coach people on matters of clarity and direction. And, and, You know, clarity comes through taking action. We can only figure out what it is we want and what's going to work for us if we actually start taking steps and taking action. So I say start with a single step because if you think about all the things that you might need to do in order to move beyond that insecurity you're facing, again, you can feel totally daunted, you can feel immobilized and nothing's going to happen. But if you can just think about like, what is the next step to take or what is that first step to take? It gets you going. It kind of um, kickstarts a bit of momentum. And it also slowly can start to instill confidence when we can have like little little wins or little milestones along the way, instead of looking at this big jump to uh, to whatever it is we're going after. So sort of a small one milestone at a time, and then after a while you will have a lined up milestones, and it's already like a good 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 way on on, on the way. Totally. Um, Then the third step was the uh, this who is the person I want to be. It somehow relates to the first question also. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. And I mean, for that, I think it's looking at, you know, what are some of the the values that I want to uphold and embody in my life? And it's it's not always, you know, like if we want to use, for example, um, having a high moral code, um, you know, morals are arguably subjective or not, depending, depending who you ask. But Uh, that's not always easy. It's not always the easy thing to do in a situation. But we, and so it's similar with this, but to ask yourself if you're struggling, you know, who is that person I want to be and how would they show up? Um, you can think, you know, you can quite literally think about somebody, you know, respect, admire. You can also think about yourself and think, you know, I am somebody who wants to show up with courage. I'm somebody who wants to, um, you know, face down my fears. And and so for me, I I've often had people in my life say to me, like, you seem very fearless, you know, you're kind of fierce, just going after things. And I'm as afraid, I'm as afraid as anybody else. I sometimes think I'm more afraid. But for me, it's recognizing, like, I want to be the kind of person who shows up in my life with, um, you know, energy and with passion and with drive and persistence. And so if I'm struggling in a situation, I kind of ask myself, like, you know, what would what would I do? What would my best self do? And that will then sometimes you know, show me how I, how I want to act as opposed to how I feel like acting based on my fear. Yeah. It's, it's like this kind of adult version of the invisible friend yes. right there next <laughs> to you. 
Uh, and then for me personally, and maybe for personality and, and cultural background, the fourth step, the engage and connect with others is mm, the most challenging for mm. me. Um, what about that? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think the big thing for us to remember is that we don't have to go through any of this stuff alone. And you think about, again, all just because it's you know, still quite topical and relevant, you look at coronavirus, um, I, I, you know, I think that's partly why it's been cha- challenging is there has been so much isolation, but to even look at, and, and for those listeners who've done this, they probably recognize how helpful it was to, you know, have a virtual coffee with somebody or to like go to an online networking event or, um, you know, it doesn't even have to be, I think, you know, face-to-face online is beautiful and certainly in person when, you know, depending where you live, what's going on currently for you, <laughs> who knows what the future will hold. Um, but to remember, like, you're not the, the you're not the first person to have gone through what you're going through. And of course, globally, it's, you know, it's easy right now with something like coronavirus, because that's relevant to everyone. But let's say you've decided to start a business, and you've got these sort of insecurities and fears coming up. By talking to other people who, who have either done that before, or who are going through that as well, that can bring a great degree of comfort that can also bring about, you know, tools and resources and support in like very tangible terms that can help you. Um, and so, you know, with you saying like culturally, that that might be something challenging, depending where you're from, or, you know, if you're from, um, you know, society where it's like, it's more um, you know, like collectivist versus individualist, or, um, you know, there's, there's different ways that we relate if you're an introvert or an extrovert. But I think to be able to do it in terms that feel comfortable and good for you. And that doesn't mean that you have to be out there, you know, uh, shaking hands and kissing babies, so to speak, it can, it can really mean having a close connected network of good friends or family that you know are there to support you. Um, so it, it's going to look different for everybody, but I don't think anyone can deny that we need to have connection and engagement with others. And I think that's the only way we're going to be able to really weather these storms of sort of insecurity and uncertainty that we face. There was a couple of uh, good questions from the audience. Uh, I would like to go a little bit deeper than this. Uh, one was the... Uh, uh, when you do and all all these things you try and then you fail and you fail again so how how to keep motivated and continue after these several failures yeah that was an interesting question um because i i can definitely sympathize with that and i've certainly been through it myself um you know my answer and we can get we can kind of delve a little bit deeper but my initial answer input was like i think we also need to redefine what success looks like and means. And I think a lot of times, you know, if I can use the business world as an example, you know, I understand business owners, of course, want to make money and be profitable and have growth. Those things are all very important. But if those are the only sort of like quantifiable, um, you know, aspects that we use to say that's a success, then anything else can be a failure. And as I related in the Q&A, um, you know, I was a jewelry designer before. And I, well, I saw, you know, um, financial growth in my business, it never did get to the point where I wanted it to be or where it was really consistently profitable. And when I decided to close that business, my initial feeling was that had been a failure. And I, you know, this is partly, it's just a choice. It's maybe something we do just to, um, sort of placate ourselves a little bit, but I had to recognize there were so many other things that I'd done in that business. So many wins I had so many successes that weren't purely financial. You know, I had great press coverage for my for my business. I had, um, you know, adoring fans and customers. I designed beautiful jewelry. I learned so much. And so I think that's one thing that's important, specifically when we are, you know, pursuing something big and we haven't had the payoff of success that we want yet for that big goal. Similar to what we talked about earlier, 
is having these smaller milestones along the way and recognizing and celebrating even those small wins. Um, now that said, you know, it's, it's interesting because there does come a time where I think, you know, we do have to reevaluate sometimes those visions and goals we have and to, to check in and say like, is this still relevant for me? Do I feel, is the struggle that I'm going through worth what it is I'm, I'm wanting, or maybe are there different ways to obtain that? Because my belief is that when we want to achieve something, often it's more the feeling that goes with it or the experience of, of going after that thing. It's not actually the thing itself. So if we can say, maybe there's a different vehicle for this, maybe there's something different that I can do. Um, you know, let's say you're training for a marathon and you're just like, oh my gosh, I like, I just am not really the runner and I can't get up to doing the long enough runs to be able to be ready for it. Like if the enjoyment for you is really like being physical and moving your body or, um, you know, accomplishing something big, maybe there's something that would be more aligned with the type of, um, you know, ability that you personally have. Like maybe it's, um, I don't know, like going for a big hike instead, or maybe it's doing a half marathon, or maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's just deciding you're going to run recreationally. You don't need to do that run. So uh, I think it, you know, it is important. I'm not saying we should give up on our bigger visions, but sometimes if it's been a series of disappointments that we can't seem to get past, sometimes we do need to check in and say, do we need to correct course? Yeah. And it's also, uh, I, I came to think that it's also that who defines our success? Is it myself or is it somehow uh, dictated from outside that I try to follow a certain idea of success that other it comes from somewhere else a hundred percent yeah and that's you know that's why I think it's really important that people check in with themselves when there's something they set their sights on we need to ask ourselves you know not just what is it but why do we want it and to make sure that it's something that's actually aligned with our own true desires as opposed to like, well, because, you know, it looks kind of sexy on paper because my parents always thought that I should do this or because it's what my best friend did. We need to make sure that our, I think our drivers and motivations are, um, you know, they're personal and, and they're the right ones for us. And the other uh, question uh, from the audience was the uh, living in different places and and uh, and the feeling insecure when you come to a, uh, a new country like uh, you have been around and I have also moved here in Germany and and that kind of insecurity is both on on intellectual and and but I think even more on, on emotional level what do you think about that yeah you know it's it's really interesting um that that was a a great and profound question I think it's something that I don't want to say everybody but a lot of expats are going to experience or have felt and you know, the the answer I gave and what I would return to is that I think we need to recognize, you know, what, if we're feeling insecure to flip that around and say, you know, what makes me feel secure? Is it having community? Is it having close connections? Is it having, you know, these hobbies that I do and this like consistency in my, in my schedule or whatever it may be. And, you know, I think in most cases, people don't have those things when they land in a new city or country. So it totally makes sense that they're going to feel insecure. And I think, The first thing is like, it, it's hard, but with any kind of emotional discomfort, if we can just sort of learn to sit with it and to recognize that that's normal, but also to not try and go through that alone. So again, this is really, you know, the connecting, engaging with people. Is there, you know, some sort of network or get together group that you can be a part of, you know, um, can you talk to people just, you know, even, even if it's like friends back home to say like, Hey, you know, this has been hard. I'm struggling because I think a lot of people focus on, uh, the excitement of moving abroad and all the potential there, but it's not, uh, there, there's a lot of unfamiliar unfamiliarity there, even if it is overall a positive change. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's like, there's no one size fits all approach to that. I think it's very different for everyone. And, you know, I know for me, I I've lived in both Australia as well as in Germany and they were uncomfortable in different ways for me, actually moving to moving to Germany was in some ways easier, but it was, but the culture's diff more different. So it was hard in that sense, but I visited here numerous times. You know, I had my husband, I had connections, I had family, so it felt more like home. So yeah, I mean, there's so many things that'll play into it. Do you speak the language? You know, are you working there? Do you have connections there? Uh, what stage of life are you at? That's going to make a big thing as well. You know, are you like coming to a city alone, single, young, you know, are you older? Do you have children? Do you all those things? So You said that you have uh, had a, a jewelry line and you have worked in, in sales and now you are uh, doing clarity coaching in Germany. So what happened? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, I've uh, I've had like a fairly diverse professional background uh, for my 38 short years in on, on the world, um, on earth, I should say. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I started in sales when I when I came out of university and it was sort of a profession that I stumbled on accidentally. Um I guess not really knowing what else I wanted to do. I'd, I'd studied psychology and I considered going on to do graduate work. And I, I, I stumbled into sales and I actually really enjoyed it. And, you know, it was for a few different reasons. I think sales is a great training ground if you want to operate your own business at some point. And there's a great degree of flexibility there, which doesn't work for everybody. But, you know, I really like that autonomy. I liked being self-driven in my, my earning capacity Um, so, you know, it was, it was a positive experience, but, um, you know, probably we'll call it, you know, eight, 10 years into that journey, I felt like I was being called to do something different. And I, I sort of had this, this tug towards doing something more entrepreneurial and I wasn't sure what that would be. I, I always had this sort of notion when I was younger that if you wanted to start a business, you had to invent something. I, I don't know where those two things connected. It was like, I got to come up with something that nobody's ever done before. I've got to be an inventor. Uh, and, and I, you know, I hadn't, hadn't done that. I had a couple, I had a few business ideas that I was sort of toying around with. And then actually we had a, we had a home break in and all of my jewelry was stolen. And in, you know, an interesting turn of events, when I started thinking about buying a few new items for myself, I, I sort of wondered, you know, maybe I could actually look at making some jewelry. And I was quite intrigued by a few of the local jewelry designers in Vancouver. And it, it seemed like kind of a, you know, cool and sexy profession. And so, so I started making and designing jewelry and, um, I ran a business alongside my sales job for a time and, and then ended up going full in with the jewelry, uh, for a couple of years. And then at that point we moved to Germany and, and that was really a crossroads for me because I looked at this new life that I was committed to setting up in Germany. And a lot of that was really looking at, can I have more location independence? Can I have more flexibility? And I recognized that the business I had built and was building was no longer really aligned with the kind of life that I wanted, um, which isn't to say that the two couldn't be sort of, um, you, you know, combined in a way that would work. I, I'm not, I don't want to imply that running a product-based business, you know, when you move abroad is, is impossible, but there were just a lot of things that were happening for me that recognized that I wanted to move my my focus in a different direction. And so through my own confusion of like, what do I do with this business? And do I move it to Germany? Do I keep running it remotely? Do I close it down? What the heck am I going to do next? Uh, you know, what am I even good at? <laughs> I knew I wanted to run a business, but I didn't know what. Uh, I eventually stumbled on this notion, sort of looking at the fact I wanted to work with fellow business owners and trying to 
pinpoint what some of the key challenges are that business owners are struggling with and where I could take my own background and skill set and apply that. The common thread that I saw in so many cases is that I think all of us, you know, specifically looking in business, a lot of people get to a point where they're just sort of at this crossroads similar to myself and they're unclear in terms of what's next and or they're trying to make big decisions in terms of um, you know, what direction they move in with their company. And the, the sort of light bulb moment for me was like, people are really missing clarity. They're not, they're not clear on where it is they're going. And the fact is, if you don't know where you're going, you're not, you're not going to get there, period. <laughs> and then the second piece of that is I, you know, I also had seen throughout my life, a lot of people who had sort of these big dreams and visions. And I mean, we, we either have been that person ourselves, or we know someone is like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this thing. And I'm starting the business. Like, oh, I'm totally going to move there too. And you know, I'm building a, a house or and it just doesn't happen. And I thought, you know, you can have all the clarity in the world, but if you don't take action, nothing is ever going to happen. So the, the two kind of components was we need to get clarity, we need to take action. And looking at my background in sales and having studied psychology and my personal skill sets of being a big question asker and really curious and kind of that detective who can piece things together. Um, I came up with this, this concept of clarity coaching and, um, you know, a lot happened between then and now, but that's, that's sort of the long and short of it. How did you find your first customers? Because, I mean, that's not very uh, common or established uh, line of, of services. No, it's not, you know, and it's um, it's interesting because I would say even to the state, there's challenges associated with that because I think people who are struggling, when I speak to those challenges, they're like, oh yeah, clarity, that's totally what I need. I get it. But there's still sort of this question mark of like, what is that? What is it? You know, what do you do? And so this part of the challenge for me is being, being able to communicate that in my messaging, my conversations with people, my marketing. Um, I mean, my first clients were, I have established, I guess, quite a repertoire of connections over the last you know, lifetime. Um, you know, all of my years in sales, I, I'm I guess, fortunate to be or to have trained myself to be quite an extroverted person. Um, I love you know meeting new people, running in different circles, having different networks. And so for me, a lot of it was just reaching out to people, letting them know what I was doing new, um, you know, utilizing social media, starting to share content. Um, you know, I still today, like I'm always, I like to pose questions that people can ask for themselves to kind of uncover their own truths and, you know, what they're struggling with. And so, um, yeah, it's just sort of grown and built from there. And then, you know, referrals through people I know, people I met like years ago. It's been really interesting to see how people have kind of come back into my life with this new business. What are you focused right now? What is the like a, in, in the epicenter of your uh, business or work life right now? Yeah, you know, for me, I, I think it's really um, trying to get my message and my work out there in an even bigger way. You know, I am seeking more one-on-one -on -one clients to work with. Um, I've been building out a, a small group coaching program that I'm running every six to eight weeks. So that's been my first foray into group coaching. But, um, you know, for me, it's really looking at how can I get even more visibility to broader audiences, um, you know, doing more conversations like this on po podcasts and speaking in front of other people's groups and audiences. So um, I think for me, it's looking at more of that scaling piece of how can I reach even broader than I have. So if uh, somebody would be, get interested, how would they be able to contact you and to get further? Yeah, well, if you search my name, Kelty McGuire, um, you'll find Kelty McGuire on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and my domain is keltymaguire.com. So through all of those means, you can either drop me a message or you can, there's lots of 
book a free call button on my website. So uh, I'm always like, I love to chat with people to see what they're struggling with to talk if I might be able to support them. And of course, just love meeting other people here, you know, specifically in Munich. It's been really wonderful to to start to build quite a community here. So yeah, and I will add the uh, the links, uh, those places you mentioned on, on our show notes. Wonderful. And then the final question, uh, what we always ask is that what does creativity mean to you? It's such a good question. When I when I thought about this, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can answer it. And, and I have to laugh because part of me thought, you know, I'm curious what other people have said about creativity. You know, what what is it? And, and I thought, you know, Kelty, that's cheating, because that's not very creative at all. And so so I, I didn't peek, I didn't I didn't look, um, you know, I just thought, what does it mean for me? And I, you know, I think it's a few different things. I think first of all, in its purest form, creativity is self-expression. And that can be done in a myriad of ways. It can be self-expression through sharing ideas. It can be self-expression through art. It can be self-expression again. Like it, it, I think a lot of people think about creativity just in terms of art or music or, um, and, and I think it's so much bigger than that. And, um, I, you know, I think it's really thinking in non-linear ways. I think it's about thinking outside of what is what is known. You know, the information that we already know. I think it's thinking outside of what comes easily to us. It's like it's pushing ourselves. And and I also think it's um, you know, creativity is sort of feeling made manifest. It's like it's you know, more, it's, it's more of a feeling than an intellectual piece. It's like stepping outside the intellect and moving into something beyond that I don't think is easy to put words to. So yeah, <laughs> You've, I'm going to be pondering this question for days. <laughs> Our thanks to Kelty and everyone at the Creative Mornings Munich team. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mark Lindgren, at Wilma Production. Our music was made by Sasha Ende. The additional sound was made by Winnie the Moog. You have been listening to the Pretzel, the Creative Mornings Munich podcast. Send us feedback by email to feedback at thepretzelpodcast.com. To find the show notes for this episode or to get new episodes right to your phone and your ears, visit thepretzelpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.